Hello everyone, and welcome back to Podscribers. For this last episode of Season 1, we invited on a special guest. Amanda Natividad is the Head of Marketing and Growth Machine. She's not a client of ours, but she is an SEO expert. So in this episode, you'll get to hear a lot of tips and tricks on how to extract as much value as possible from your podcast content while doing minimal marginal work. This episode is jam-packed with tips on SEO if you don't have any access to any tools, on podcasting, as well as how to build community as a method of marketing your podcast. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for joining me on Podscribers. Yeah, thank you for having me, Eugene. Uh, to get started, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do at Growth Machine? Yeah, so I am the head of marketing at Growth Machine. Um, Growth Machine is an SEO and content creation agency. Um, and so I'm really responsible for our content uh, with respect to what Growth Machine says, uh, what we do in the blog, are responsible for our podcast, um, and really just, you know, helping to grow our book of business. Awesome. You, I remember in the summer of 2020, that was when I think you first came on to Growth Machine and you yeah. you resurrected the Growth Machine Marketing Podcast. Uh, why did you decide to do that? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I run a pretty lean operation, so it really boils down to two reasons. One is content sustainability. I wanted to create content that would sustain itself, that could, that could kind of power other initiatives or that could... Um, or content that could lead into the podcast. So some examples of that might be, um, you know, our case studies, for instance, you know, that we, we publish case studies on the blog, and then we'll also do a podcast episode or two episodes on it. Um, also, every podcast episode becomes at least one other blog post. So it helps kind of feed into our cycle of content. The other reason is uh, we wanted to grow our audience organically by tapping into other people's audiences. So you know, um, at least, uh, you know, especially early on, we, we tried to focus on getting, um, on booking guests that also had their own following who, you know, of course were relevant to the growth machine marketing podcast who who could speak to organic growth, could speak to SEO content strategy and overall how content powers the rest of marketing. Um, so it really, it really came down to those two reasons. And when you're inviting someone on who has their own following, uh, I like the strategy of organic growth. Uh, what do you do after you finish recording? Do you ask them to give to to retweet, or how do you do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you know, I, uh, it, it's it's it, it can be kind of tough, right? Because you don't want to be too pushy or insist someone do something that's out of your control. Um, so I just try to look at it as how can I enable that person to promote the podcast. So things that I try to do are. Um, you know, a day or a couple of days in advance, I'll share with the guest a couple of um, suggested headlines like, oh, hey, here are a couple headlines or episode titles that I'm thinking about. Um, here's what I'm thinking I'm going to say in my tweet or in my Twitter thread. Um, one, because it helps them, you know, get excited about it. Um, two, to kind of get some buy-in and how we promote the episode without without asking for permission, right? Or for hand-holding. Um, and then also just kind of reminds them like, oh, this is coming up in a couple days. Like it's sort of implicitly saying, hey, this episode's coming up pretty soon. You might want to promote it on your end. And then Gosh. from there, you know, we've seen pretty good, um, 
pretty good on results and you know especially for guests who get who are, who are particularly excited or or people that maybe I connect especially well with um, they'll get really excited about promoting it on their end in terms of like their email list or to their broader community um, maybe they have a special newsletter where they include the episode so stuff like that um, how do you measure the success of your podcast that's a good question because uh, it, it can be tough because gauging success of a podcast, it can take a long time to really see results. So I think about it in a couple of ways. Um, one is, you know, one success uh, metric that I have is, does it give way to additional content, right? Like, can I create a couple of blog articles? Can I create a couple of Twitter threads based on that episode? Uh, and, you know, and if the answer is no, then that's not probably not a good episode. <laughs> um, so that that's one piece. Um, I also think about lead generation, really. I mean, like the the Growth Machine Marketing Podcast has been a great driver of new leads for us. And especially for us as a B2B business, um, having a handful of leads in a given week can be a really great thing. Um, so I, I do look at that. We'll track it a as much as we can through UTMs. Um, but we'll also just ask, you know, we'll ask new um, contacts, like, how did you hear about us? And sometimes people will say it's because of the podcast. So you also write detailed and very easy to navigate descriptions for each episode. Uh, could you tell us what you put into it and why you spend so much time and effort for them as well? Yeah, um, you know, I would say I include everything that is necessary to help someone make the decision to listen to the episode and to stay on that page. So that's kind of how I think about it. So with that includes, you know, an interesting title, the guest's name, obviously, um, a little bit about the guest's expertise or credibility. So like their title, um, their current company, maybe their past work experience, if it's relevant to the episode, which it usually is. Um, I include timestamps with descriptions for each of those timeframes, um, and then relevant links to additional resources. So I think all of that, a lot of that I think may sound like common sense in terms of, you know, what you include in show notes. But when I think about it in terms of all the relevant information someone needs, it helps me, it helps kind of reframe my mindset into making sure that I'm creating a page that's really helpful for listeners. So things like, for instance, with the timestamps and descriptions, I try to keep those pretty, you know, pretty concise, pretty tight. Um, because I want the I want the listener I, I figure listeners are going to are they're going to be skimming it they're going to want to know like what's in it for me um, so I don't want to make it too too lengthy there and then plus you know I want to get I want to leave a little bit to the imagination right so I want I want someone to skim it or you know I think they'll skim it but I also want them to think oh I want to listen to that part and if they want to skip around you know that's totally fine I think that's a very normal way to listen to podcasts and I think we should enable that kind of behavior if if it makes, you know, if it, if it ensures people are listening. Got you. So it does mm -hmm. sound like common sense, but it also depends on what you would want to provide for your audience and what they're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think common sense in the sense that like everyone knows there should be show notes, but it might not be obvious to people what should be included there. And so what do you put in the timestamps? What do you timestamp to in your descriptions? Um, I timestamp to major topics dis, uh, uncovered, or if there's something especially interesting or fun or funny or delightful for the listener. Um, and so I think usually it, it just kind of naturally ends up being 
every seven, every five to seven minutes or so, we have a new timestamp. Um, and then each episode is around 40 minutes. So that ends up, you know, lending itself pretty well to like 10, 10 or so lines of um, various descriptions. Got you. Okay. And um, what secondary content do you make out of your episodes? You already talked about a bit about case studies, but uh, could you go into a bit more detail on how you do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, I, I run a pretty lean operation, so I really try to get the most out of each episode. So it might mean that an episode gives way to a webinar or to a couple of blog posts or to multiple tweets and even to standalone content in the newsletter. So I really try to think about each episode as how can the topics that we've covered give way to a couple of standalone topics. Um, and I think that also that also has the SEO implications, right? Because if you're thinking about episodes or promoting your content as like, hey, this cool person was on this episode, we covered three different things. Like, okay, that might be helpful for initial promotion, but when it comes to having, to creating content that stands the test of time, you really wanna make sure that you are ultimately creating content that people are searching for, that's useful, that can become a blog post or other article or you know other piece of content that is substantial, right? So like when I say um, each podcast episode gives way to at least one blog post, each of those blog posts is um, a really thoroughly like 1200 word written article about a given topic in the broader episode. So for instance, um, you know, we, I've I've spoken a little bit about online communities with several um, several guests so far. So you know, we have a recent blog post on improving engagement in your online community. So that was something that a guest and I, I believe, it was Christina Pashalis, that we talked about for a few minutes. It wasn't the entire episode, but it's a topic that's important enough and that people are searching for enough that it merits a greater discussion or a greater piece um, on that topic. And how do you know when people are searching for uh, a topic to be to be answered? Yeah, I mean, that can be kind of tough in that in a certain area, certain areas of marketing are pretty niche, right? Like um, people searching for increased engagement in community, like because they just due to the nicheness <laughs> of that topic, you're not going to get like thousands and thousands of people searching for that each month. But there's the intent, right? So, you know, we'll look into Ahrefs and see, oh, what are people searching for? So that'll, that'll kind of give us a sense of, is this topic even worth writing about? Like, if we're thinking of a topic that has like 10 searches per month, even if it's niche, that probably signals that maybe not a lot of people are looking for it. So that's one, that's one thought. Another is just, you know, really more anecdotally or informally. If I'm having conversations with other marketers in the field and certain repeat topics are coming up again, that's kind of where I follow some level of intuition, some level of anecdotes where I think, okay, three different people across marketing, across the world really, had, this, had these same questions about this topic. That's gotta be a topic worth covering. So that's how I think about it too. Got you. So for for podcasters who might not be involved in marketing circles or who might not have access to HREFs or mm -hmm. RFs, um, what would you recommend they do to gauge interest in a particular topic and whether it'd be worthwhile to create a secondary piece of content on it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there are some free tools that you can use. Like you can you can take a peek in Google Trends to see what people are generally looking for. Um, Google also has a keywords explorer tool. Moz also has a keyword explorer tool. So those are those are some easy ways to kind of get started and get a sense of of what people might be looking for. Um, another way to to go about it is is you know as you talk to people in your niche whether or not it's marketing right like if there are certain topics that keep coming up those are topics worth exploring um if you have a podcast for your business um then you could be thinking about like all right well what are the problems we're trying to solve for our customers and then create content or podcast episodes based on that got you i believe that you have transcripts for your podcast based on a tweet i saw a couple of months ago. Um, how do you use your transcripts? So we have them uh, in that I I, um, I import episodes into otter.ai to have the transcript. Um, you know, quite frankly, we haven't published the transcripts on the podcast, uh, podcast pages, at least not yet. Um, that's something that, you know, be, in any kind of AI transcription tool, you're going to have typos and, you know, like missed words. And that, that's normal. And that happens. So, but it does require cleanup. Like, I think if you're going to publish a transcript of your episode, it needs to be accurate, right? You need to make sure you're scrubbing for um, not typos, but like missed words, missed phrases. So there's that. There, there needs to be some manual effort involved. Um, so the way that I'm using transcripts right now is mainly for um, reference documentation um, for source content. So maybe like as I'm writing a Twitter thread on something on a given episode. I'll look back at the transcript and go, oh, how did that, how did the guest phrase that thing? Like, let me, let me go look at that again. Um, so look at it for that. We also use it for blog articles. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we have blog articles based on podcast episodes. Um, but also the, the transcript serves as um, the reference for that. So maybe in a given blog article, we'll want to quote the guest. So we'll use the, we'll use um, the transcript to make sure we get the quote correct. Um, and then ultimately, like it becomes, it just becomes useful to have the transcript so you can hit Control F and look for certain topics or keywords. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll think like in a recent episode, I thought about um, a recent episode I had um, Ramley John from Product Led, and we were talking about aha moments and user onboarding. Very specific, you know, kind of phrasing. Very specific to the topic of user onboarding, but I thought like, what are all the instances in which we use this, we, we, we talked about this moment? So I hit control F and like, search for that. So it becomes really useful for note taking ultimately. Okay, so if you don't use your transcripts for creating blog posts, then could you tell me how you walk through the step-by-step -step process of writing a blog post from a podcast episode? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, um, well, listen to the episode, you know, as a whole or like, I also work with a with a fantastic freelance writer on this who specializes in B2B content. So, you know, I'll, I'll huddle up with her at the beginning of the month or beginning of the week and I'll say, hey, you know, we had this really great episode. Uh, you know, I, I had Daryl Alfonso from Amazon Web Services. We talked about marketing automation. Um, you know, like I'm having trouble figuring out how we can structure this for our audience of SEOs and content marketers. What if we talked about, you know, the the, you know, there's an area where we talk about content creation because he's a really great writer. Let's talk about that some more. So then we'll just kind of talk through ideas based on that. 
And then we'll talk about like, okay, we also talked about you know marketing automation here and like how you can use that to improve your marketing campaigns. Let's let's you know home in us with the takeaways here. Um, so we really just have like a normal like one to one discussion on that stuff. Um, and then we also um, and then based on that, you know, we'll, we'll home in on a topic. We'll choose the topic, and then I or the writer, mostly our writer, she'll she'll do additional research for that. So um, while the podcast episode serves as the initial source content or is the pillar um, of that piece, uh, we do supplement that with additional information to put it into greater context and to help support, uh, to better even, to even better support some of what our guest is talking about. So if our guest references, um, you know, references maybe a stat or a general industry finding, we'll look for that too. And then, you know, we'll do that additional research. Got you. Okay. Um, I also wanted to push back on something you said earlier. Uh, you yeah. said that with transcripts, they tend to not be 100% accurate and they ought to be accurate. And well, with some of our clients, when we produce transcripts for them, they usually are never 100% accurate, but they still add them to their page and um, they still work for SEO purposes. As in, you know, if you're looking for a specific, what did X say in this episode, it'll pop up. Um, and other other clients of ours have outsourced their editing by asking for volunteers and things like that. So I was curious, what would happen if someone added transcripts to their website which weren't one hundred percent accurate? Um, that I don't I don't really know. I couldn't really speak to that. Or not, um, not necessarily yeah. for SEO specifically, uh-huh. but just generally, it feels like there's a a, a requirement to have them one hundred percent accurate, but. I mean, I don't see what the harm is if they are not. Yeah, I mean, it depends on on how we think about accuracy, right? Like, if it's if it's things like extra ums or you know a missed word here and there, I don't think it's a big deal. But if if there's anything um, incorrect in the transcript that might materially change what's being said, then I think that needs to be addressed. Um, or 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 maybe just if it crosses a certain threshold where it looks too messy for it to be useful for the reader. Like if, I mean, I don't, I don't know how often this would be a problem, but if a reader is looking through a transcript, uh, you know, a regular user looking through the transcript and they see too many errors, they might feel like, I don't know how useful this transcript is for me if like, you know, there are four mistakes in every paragraph or things like that. Right. But that's more anecdotal, I think. (laughs) Okay. No, no, that makes sense. Have you seen any instances of podcasters using their transcripts in any other ways? Um, I'm trying to think of, well, there is Peter Atiyah's podcast. Um, he does a really good job or he and his team do a really good job of adding all the, the context somebody would need in a given area of each episode. And I'm calling this out specifically because, you know, Peter Atiyah is a doctor and he has other, you know, medical experts, other doctors um, on his show. So a lot of what they talk about is, at least to me as a non-doctor, <laughs> it's very information dense. Um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of science in there. Um, a lot of verbiage that I'm not really familiar with. So for me, it's really helpful to see, um, to see really rich text or like really helpful context in each of the timestamps. So 
you know, if they're talking about sleep, for instance, it won't just say like how to get good sleep in a given section. It'll be like the science of sleep and the, the science of CBD and the implications of that on REM sleep. So stuff that gets, you know, pretty wonky and very specific. I think that's especially where transcripts can be really helpful. Um, and I really appreciate how they're using it there. Gotcha. So you can basically use them to add supplementary information to what is being spoken about in the podcast so that your listeners totally. who may not have the same background knowledge can catch up really quickly. In a totally. Yeah. Case. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's where it could be especially useful. Just, you know, where where you meaning like you, the host and your guests are true experts in what you're talking about for a topic that is very niche or I'll just say wonky. Um, it can be hard. I mean, the reason your listeners are listening to you is because you guys are the experts. So if you are getting into territory of talking about certain things in certain ways that, you know, the everyday person wouldn't, then I think it's definitely beneficial to, to use transcripts um, or create content from transcripts to help enrich that, in, that experience. Got you. Okay. And well, I asked you this a bit earlier. Um, what tools could podcasters who don't have access to Ahrefs mm-hmm. use? Um, but is there anything else that you could recommend to podcasters for marketing their podcasts using SEO? Uh, just how would you go about it if you didn't have access to these tools? Um, I would I would still think about it like maybe a, a holistic way to think about each of your podcast episodes could be treat them no differently from a blog article. So things like when you're coming up with interview questions, guide it around a discussion for topics that you know people are searching for. Um, Or maybe it's even just um, think about ahead of time, think about maybe the type of headline that you would want for the episode title. Like if you're talking about, um, I don't know, if you're talking about SEO done really well for a direct-to-consumer company, great. Like that that's certainly a topic people are searching for online. So maybe guide that discussion or that, that interview around what are all the things people would want to know about SEO in a direct-to-consumer company and then you know oriented towards that. That way, you know, the result is an interview and a transcript that fully supports a topic at hand in a really thorough way. And when you're doing that, then that's that's speaking to the search intent aspect of the piece of content that you're publishing anyway. Um, having all the having all the information, all the context there, will ultimately signal to Google, who's crawling your site, and to readers um, that your given episode, given your given page, is a great source for that topic. Um, so, yeah, and then it also um, what else do I what else am I thinking about here? Um, um, yeah, and then give that episode a title based on search volume and intent. Got you. So you're kind of reverse engineering what your podcast episode will be about based on what you think people are looking for and what they want answers for. Yeah, if you can. I mean, it's also like, you you know, at the same time, if you're interviewing someone, you kind of have to leave something open to chance and to possibilities. You know, if the conversation is going in a really interesting direction that you didn't anticipate, you can't ignore that, right? You got to be a human um, and go with it. And maybe you'll uncover something really interesting. But then, you know, that's where you can have a really fun Easter egg in a given episode where like, 
your your the episode can still be about SEO and a direct to consumer company, but you can also have like a really fun discussion on, you know, marketing mistakes they made that they didn't know about, like stuff like that. Right. So Joe Rogan probably wouldn't be a very good <laughs> SEO person then. Probably uh, not, but he's a great content creator. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Okay, and for for my last question, I just wanted to ask you about community building. You've had a few episodes on the Growth Machine podcast about community building. For podcasters, I've seen a lot of content about how to market your podcast on social media, email lists, so on and so forth. But I think community building is a topic that podcasters um, don't really seem to think about. Do you have any ideas on how people could learn more about it? Or or do you have any um, examples of podcasters who do community building really well? Oh, that's a that's a fun question. When I think about podcasters who are building community, I think about people who are creating content on social channels in which it's clear they're trying to have discussions with people because that those are the people who are trying to foster a sense of community. Um, so there's that piece. And I also think about about this through the lens of people who are, you know, creating, um, hosting a podcast for certain niche communities that elevates them and their company as a thought leader within that community. So there are kind of two ways to think about this. One, the individual or the podcasters community um, in their, their like kind of owned ecosystem of social followers, or two, the actual community for which they're providing content for. Um, someone who I think does this really well is Kristen LaFrance on both fronts. Um, I mean, her her podcast, um, she's head of Resilient Retail for Shop, for Shopify, and her podcast is about resilient retailers, retailers who have, you know, struggled in the face of COVID, right? Or struggled to get their business off the ground, but they're resilient and they keep pressing forward. That's what her show is about. And in doing that and elevating those people, those retailers, she's creating a community of retailers for which they have this kind of this kind of space where they can learn from each other, talk to each other, talk to her, uh, and network with each other. So I think that's a that, that I think what she's doing is really powerful in community. Um, so yeah. Okay, that was that yeah. was very good. Um, yeah. Did you have any last thoughts before I ask you how people could connect with you? Um, I think I do have a little more to the answer of um, SEO and like podcasts. Um, so you know, you asked about um, how podcasters can kind of use SEO without you know using really any tools. Um, I think another another way to think about this is give your page all the contextual clues it needs to point people or to point Google to that page. So, you know, making sure you have a title that people are searching for, making sure that you have a meta description or SEO snippet that'll, that'll be on Google search results page. Having a meta description that is interesting, that well, yeah, interesting that people might care about in your target audience, but it's also true to your episode. Like, what are people going to get out of it? Um, making sure you have those timestamps um, with descriptions because it shows that you're a, you have a podcast that you've put thought into, 
that is pointing people to more clues. Uh, and then making sure you have things like alt text, um, just everything you need to make your website super accessible um, for any kind of user. Got you. Okay, perfect. And how could people reach out to you if they'd like to connect? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm on Twitter at Amanda Nat. Um, and then if you're interested in the Growth Machine Marketing Podcast, you can find that in your favorite podcast player or on the Growth Machine website. And then finally, you know, if you if anyone here listening is looking for an SEO and content creation agency, Growth Machine can do that for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, just reach out and say hi. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Amanda. Yeah, thank you, Eugene. This is fun. Thanks a ton for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me at eugene at podscribe.ai. That'll be in the description. If you would like to follow us on Twitter and YouTube, uh, just look up Podscribe AI. If you would like to learn more about our transcripts or if you would like to get a sample transcript of your own podcast, just send us an email with the name of your podcast or visit us at podscribe.ai. Thank you to the team at podcast.co for the music and thank you for listening. See you next week.